welcome everybody to um, Father's Church in Dallas, and it's a great privilege to be able to come together with our Saints Network family and study the Word of the Lord. Um, we are we're very grateful for the privilege of being able to do this. I remember many, many years ago after God established our Saints Network, um, we didn't have the capacity to reach out over the internet and um, there were people believe it or not who wanted to actually hear what was being taught here and I remember that I think we began with cassettes and then we went to CDs and uh, Ruby would box them up and send them out mostly out west but you know it's just a real privilege to be able to to have a real-time expression with the Saints Network. So uh, we welcome you tonight. And um, we're going to be studying this evening uh, a, a rhema from the Lord concerning what we need to be prepared for as we move forward in wisdom, as we take the light into those places that Father has earmarked for uh, the darkness to be scattered. And you would think that um, you would think that perhaps you know when you when you talk about light it's like what we do here in like this room uh, during our prayer times leading up to the Wednesday night uh, meeting we, we have a lot of people that are in here praying and we have these kind of s soft spotlights that are on and then it comes time for us to turn those down and turn the big lights on and when you do that you know it just floods the room and everybody squints and you know it's just kind of a weird deal but when you take the light of the Lord into darkness um, it it has that effect but it, there is there is there is opposition it's not going to last it's not going to win but there is opposition and if you are the conveyor if you are Jesus said you are the light of the world Jesus said my light will rise upon you and let your light so shine. You know, there are verses like that. And so God partners with you in the light. And so if the enemy can do whatever he can to discourage you or to cause you to, to hide your light or to quench it, um, he will try that. So that's, that's what we want to look at tonight from three uh, very different passages, but they are uh, they're they're pertinent to where we are um, you know in John 1 when uh, John was talking about the coming of Jesus and he was talking about him as being the light which he was and is and he said the darkness comprehended it not and comprehend is kind of a strange word there because it really has very little to do with understanding unless you say the darkness could not understand how to block the light because the better translation of it is that the darkness was not able to withstand the light and I can see to some degree how those guys translated it the way they did because it had more to do with the reasoning of the darkness trying to figure out a way to to block the light but the point though was not the figuring but the but the actual desire to not let the light come in. So they translated it comprehend, but um, it, was more, it was more a word that was used in military when there was a strategy meeting of some sort to try to deduce what it was that an army could do to outwit the enemy or to repel the enemy. And so there was a, usually a, you know, military intelligence which Rick would say is an oxymoron but um, um, you know there there was that planning session and um, so that's that's the word that's used which means that darkness doesn't just exist on its own it is something that is coordinated by the enemy it is the absence of light but the enemy is there with his devices trying to keep it from coming so that's why that word is used in John 1 the darkness comprehended it not. It spoke more about um, the enemy's strategies and how Jesus, the light, just 
pushed all that away. And I think that's a very exciting thing. So for us, we need to do a similar thing in, in that we need to recognize that there is an enemy that is going to try to stop God's light from shining through you. And he's going to try to stop, you know, your light from shining. And at the same time, he's going to try to bring false light. You know, remember the scripture speaks about how that uh, the very elect will be deceived and the enemy comes as an angel of light and his ministers as flames of fire. And so we need to be careful, uh, especially when we're going forward, to, um, to recognize the light God has given us and to cherish that and um, then to know that don't be surprised if there are some obstacles thrown your way or some really strange um, oppositions that would be more aimed at duping you or causing you to feel um, lost or depressed or overwhelmed. You know, what kind, of, what kind of a manifestation would darkness throw? You know, other than, you know, it's going to smell like you being lost or you not feeling the light. I mean, that's its manifestation. You know, um, the other day I was driving over near North Park. Um, I was coming out of the mall, and uh, I smelled a skunk, which was really weird. I thought it was right over there near where the old Sam's is. And I try, I try to bypass, because sometimes I take the twins up there, and we run around, and I buy them stuff they shouldn't have, and we just have a good time. I'm getting them used to being in the mall. You know, one day they'll graduate to Aunt Sandra, and she'll show them all the real tricks in the mall. But, um, but we were coming along, and we were coming down that road where a lot of the Mexican migrant workers, they all stand to get jobs, you know. And I smelled this skunk, and I thought, now how in the world did a skunk get over here? You know, there's no way, Bev, there's no way you can miscast a skunk smell. I mean, it's just one of a kind. Do they have skunks in Africa? They do? They're not just guys that mistreat girls? Um, so they have skunks in Africa. Wow. See, you, you came tonight and learned something. Barry, I bet you even didn't know that. You probably did. So anyway, but, you know, the skunk produces that smell. And, and man, if, if your dog gets it on him, forget it. You're going to give them a tomato juice bath and all kinds of other homeopathic therapies. I'm sure Florida's got some kind of essential oil that you spray on the skunk smell, but they only keep that in the back of Robin's apothecary, you know. And uh, probably had to spray it on Zach a few times, but that's probably another story. He was their test rabbit. But, you know, what kind of, a, what kind of an opposition would darkness throw, you know, if it's not some kind of depression or some kind of despair. And so, you know, I've heard of a number of people from the midst of our church and, you know, in other places in the network. I don't hear everything, but every now and then I hear something. Um, and it seems that the enemy's trying to throw that, but that makes perfect sense because what else would darkness throw? So you just need to be, you just need to be ready and not fear it, but don't drink up that stuff be the light so um, we want to look at three passages and as I said this already they are kind of warnings about uh, what um, what we are facing as we go forth in light so I'm going to tell you in the network to go ahead and turn in your Bible to Psalm 65 we're going to be reading from verses 1 through 4. And as you're turning there or poking your screen to, to get it there, uh, the, uh, this past Sunday night we had a, a wonderful time of prayer here. And the Father in heaven asked us to come and just minister to him and that he wanted us to, to experience something in the heavens. And so um, we didn't have an assignment other than that. No fivefold questions, no groups of three or four. We just came and prayed. 
and I, I knew it was an individual assignment, and so um, I just went up into the balcony and sat and prayed and sometimes laid down, but mostly sat. And after about 10 minutes, I, I was really just, first part of it, I was praying, just praying, hoping that the Spirit would, would have His way in the midst of our people and that this kind of an odd assignment wouldn't be um, missed. But then after about 10 or 15 minutes, I thought, you know, okay, it's, I need to do this too. So I began to pray, and I, I, pretty soon I, I recognized that I was in this place that um, was familiar to all of us. And it was in the place in the heavens where I've said on a number of occasions that the seat of the saints is and what our movement is. And if you were to look straight, if the throne would be over to the left, the right hand of the Father would be over to the left, and in front is the, the altar of fire, and to the right would be the, um, you know, the temple of the tabernacle of testimony, and to the, well, to the, to the far right then would be the extension of the court of the Gentiles that goes into the profane place that then goes into the nations. And so I'm sitting there, and I, I recognize I'm there, and I'm praying in the Spirit, and I'm just wondering what I'm supposed to do because of the assignment. So I wasn't going to bury myself in an intercessory dialogue and, you know, think God was going to shoot me out someplace. I just knew I needed to observe. And when I came away with a number of things that I saw that I thought were somewhat interesting, but two things really stood out. The first was that when I looked to the right, I could see that uh, from the time we first started coming to intercede, the, the area of the, the stairs leading up through the courts of the Gentiles into the temple of the tabernacle of testimony was more expanded. If it had spread forth, uh, it spread out further. And that meant that the profane place that had occluded that was being pushed back. And I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, the last time we did a Temple of the Tabernacle activation, um, I think it was during seminar, I think. But um, at that time, I, we were in the temple, and I saw these two huge, huge angels that looked like they were, they were workers, in the way God was depicting them. And they had these winnowing shovels, and they were throwing out somewhat of a mixture of oil and a mixture of um, of smoke into that into what I knew would be that and into the nations and I was so impressed by that because I thought from this place um, God is really now directing a forward movement into the nations and I again I don't see everything but just from my experience I had not seen that before Every other thing that we were doing in there was intercession and seeing people minister to the Lord and seeing the different machinations that go on in that place. Um, but this was the first time I saw that going forward. Now, you can read like in Revelation 15 and in other passages where angels come out of this place and they've got vials and smoke is billowing out and there's there's all kinds of different things that are depicted there but to me I think it's very obvious combining those two times that God really is working with his saints to um, to to take the kingdom and the kingdoms of our God are now are now really overcoming the kingdoms of this world and that expanse is happening and there are more intercessors that God has been raising up and uh, it's, it's an interesting time. So that being said, you know that God's kingdom is advancing in a very tangible way in the heavens, and it's very noticeable. And I thought, okay, that's what I was supposed to see. And, but I couldn't, I wasn't leaving the place. Usually when I have a dawning that whatever it is I've received is done, I go back. I'm just back. I used to for, I used to worry 
about whether I could get back when I when that first started happening and um, it's funny how the father has allowed us to to become acclimated to things but my fears were there and those first times I would hone in on voice from here uh, of intercession and I would find my way back that way but now you know the father just kind of has his timing and it just segues back and forth you know I remember early on the uh, when I when we were first praying and having these insights I had kind of a dream vision where I was climbing this mountain I had my hands wide open and I got uh, <laughs> which I don't know how else you'd climb a mountain I always whenever I hear that song I wonder that if you don't have your hands wide open, you're going to be tumbling down the mountain when you come. Um, so, but I, I was, I, there was this little stream of water coming out of this rock, and I could look above that, and I saw this temple in the distance, and I saw two women in white walking toward that temple. And I was so astounded by that. I thought, who are those women? And why am I at this ledge right below this? But I've got this water here that really... Is, is inviting but it's it's the way that God has developed all of us and and I know even from those of you who had encounters over these past this past season it's been a uh, it's been a wonderful thing to recognize how far each of us have come in our relationship with the Lord and um, he really has been developing you as as sons and that's nothing that should be discounted easily so I thought I was done and I really felt that God was going to segue me out of it but I was just there and I thought father what else am I supposed to do you know is there something I'm supposed to be doing from this seat is there something am I, am I supposed to go over toward the throne area and I thought well that doesn't make any sense because that's not a secondary thing you either go there or you're doing something else you you know you don't meander over to the throne um and suddenly i felt the lord saying to me um you need to invite me in you need to invite me into the sanctuary you need to you need to welcome and i knew it was the father that was saying this and so i just began to thank god i i said father you know this is your house you you are you are all that we want come and inhabit our praises come come and dwell among us let this be your footstool you you called this place your your church your house so you're coming and um so i spent the rest of the time welcoming him not asking him but welcoming him and um so and then boom i was back i looked up i saw sandra over there on the front pew of the balcony and uh, behind where bev and rose operate uh well you don't operate you know at least i hope i don't know what rose does up there i know you don't but um and i thought well that was really wonderful but you know the thing is is that i know the father is is filling his house and he's he's so good to us and i also know that his kingdom is advancing which is great since we've been talking about this year and this year of wisdom um, and so um, with that though I, it brought me then to the point where I recognize that we've we've got to recognize what our obligations are we we obey yes we go where God says to go we keep receiving the words from his scripture we pray but how do we how do we deal with certain oppositions that that might come as we're welcoming the light so you thought we'd never get to psalm 65 but here we go praise waits for the o elohim in sion and unto thee shall the vow be performed o thou that hearest prayer unto thee shall all flesh come iniquities prevail against me as for our transgressions, thou shalt purge them away. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, that's a hard word, choosest, and causes, causest to approach unto thee. A guy with a lisp could really move through these King James 
Um, <laughs> Jesus, help me and help the people. Uh, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Let's look at some of these things. First of all, we're bringing the tobe of his house, of the holy temple. We are offering up our prayer. That's tepila, which is that supplication kind of a result, which we've talked about um, on a number of occasions over the past number of months, where you're in supplication, God gives you insight, and you begin to declare that. You proclaim that. And I really think that's the basis. That should be the basis of praise. Because praise is going forward. And, um, and but, but you have to see there that iniquities are going to try to prevail against him. But we have to overcome those ways that the enemy would try to attack us and twist our purpose. But let's look at the first part of this. Praise waits for you. O God in Zion. Now, praise there is Tehillah, and that's from Halal. And we've studied enough about Halal and Lucifer, Hillel, and Alleluia to know that Halal is really a praise based upon fulfilling what God wants to do and bringing to fruition his ways. And that should be the basis of what we, we speak that should be the basis of our desire that God's ways would be done. But praise, this wonderful thing. Now, let's think about that. If praise then, let's equate this. If Tehillah is based upon uh, what God reveals to us as people of supplication, and we form what he's putting in our heart concerning our supplication partnership into directed words of prayer, prophetic proclamation and praise um, that's great but where does it go it goes to Zion the dry and twisted place that's what that word means which God wants to restore and make a fruited plain but it waits this is the key to this whole thing it waits now this is a weird word it's a really weird word because it's the Hebrew word dama and it just means that it's silent like the grave. It's just dull. It, 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 it seems that it may not even be awake and maybe even dead. That's what this word indicates. So this wonderful thing of praise in the dry and twisted place, um, praise has to penetrate that kind of an atmosphere. Waiting has nothing to do with the other words in the Old Testament that speak about waiting, where, you know, you wait on the Lord, which means you intertwine with him, or you're, you're waiting for something to happen. There's nothing with patience to this at all. This word just means silent like the grave. Uh, it means that it's just dormant. It just seems to have no function at all, and it's so listless that it's just silent. So how do you put this together? If, if God has called you to be a person of supplication, he's revealing things to you, and you are going to know the goodness, the tobe of his house, and you're going to be blessed, and you're going to dwell in his courts, you're going to be satisfied. Well, why in the world would this high-level revelatory experience in God that you're to proclaim, why would the awaiting be this dead as a doornail kind of a thing because when God sends out his tobe when God sends us forth to turn Zion into what he wants it to be when we're manifesting the trobe against the raw when you are lift, lifting up this Tehillah you're you're not going to be uh, you're not going to be speaking it into a band of shofar players you're going to feel the opposition of that dry place and it's going to seem like your prayers your praise is dead it might feel that way and that is such an amazing that's such an amazing depiction and so if it feels that way then verse 3 
it, it feels that way. And God's causing you to have a commitment to accomplish something. The vow be performed. He's hearing your expressions from a supplication standpoint. And, um, and iniquities are going to attack you. In fact, there's, dare I say, they might even be prevailing. Why? Because when you're doing this, first of all, <laughs> you're going into territory that is unknown to you. You're receiving revelatory insights from God. You're partnering with him for something that he wants to do that hasn't been done yet because that's what grace does. And um, where, you're, where your expressions in partnership with God are being spoken into, that place in its initial reception doesn't seem to have any interest in you at all. And in fact, it probably seems like your words are banging off because kind of like trying to wake a kid that doesn't want to get up in the morning. I mean, it's just, it's just seems like, ugh. And your iniquities will pick up on that. Remember what iniquities are? They're twisted purpose. So your purpose is trying to partner with God and iniquities are saying, well, great place God brought you to, you know, you great grace intercessor. You know, you're, uh, you're giving off these high-level words, and what good is it doing? In fact, it doesn't seem to be doing any good. In fact, it seems to be met with deathly silence. And we have to really get a hold of ourselves and let God, first of all, convince us of that partnership with him. How many of the people that we studied concerning partners of grace we're, we're met with that kind of feeling. You remember Hannah, the poster, chi the poster child for grace. You know, she's there pouring her heart out. God's already spoken to her that this is going to happen. And she's pouring her heart out. And the, the great high priest says, get away, from, get away from here, lady. You bother me. You know, you're drunk. Go away. And uh, that's horrible, isn't it? That's a horrible expression. For somebody who's heard from God, weeping, pouring their heart out, and the place that she's... And really, you say, well, how does Eli reflect what she was supposed to be doing? Well, Eli was the one that allowed Shiloh to get in the despicable condition it was in. He was the one that raised those two boys that were just... Whew, they were wild men. And he was the guy that her little boy was going to not only replace, but transition. So that place, that dead-as-a-doornail place is telling her, you're drunk, get out of here. Did you ever think of it that way before? So you've got to recognize that when you're hearing from God and you're partnering with Him to do something that's never been done, and your praises are going forth based upon the tobe purpose of God and through the process of him speaking to you as a as a, 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 a supplication intercessor that your initial encounters in that place that Elohim has called you to is probably going to be Dama. You gotta know that. And I'm speaking to the choir here because sometimes I've I've not processed that as well and i'm kind of grateful that the lord's showing us this now because it probably means that to some degree we've overcome <laughs> you do and then you teach and uh, he doesn't explain everything to you right at the beginning does he you have to walk through it and then as you walk through he's giving you insight along the way but then it suddenly dawns on you wow well i understand this because of all this stuff that we've experienced. And you think, well, I wish I knew then what I know now, but you really can't know then because it's a walk of faith. And El Shaddai is leading you along, teaching you along the way. So praise waits. And that's the first opposition to the light coming into darkness. It's that deathly silence that you might feel. And you might wonder, are my words having any effect at all? Am I making any headway? Is this really what God told me to do?
And, um, you know, and I wonder if you could extrapolate this to when Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he waited. He waited for days before he went. And then, you know, when he got there, you know, it was just, it looked from every way, shape, and form like it was a done deal and there was really no reason for him to be there. You had the paid mourners that are laughing at him. You had, uh, you had the, 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 the women coming out, basically giving him a, a word, you know, you should have been here. You know, our brother's dead because you lollygagged. And, um, you know, so, you know, it's just interesting that how often in the Scripture God brings you to a point where it looks like this is the point of a miracle, that everything around you signifies that you're really done. You're dead. And then God brings the miracle. So you have to remember that's a miracle principle. But when you are at the beginning of this year of wisdom, and we're beginning to see things move, it's probably, you've got to generate in your own heart that partnership supplication, which is why the presence of the Lord has been so rich among us. You've got to embrace that, and don't let your iniquities suck up what Dhamma is showing, okay? You've got to be wise enough. You're not babies anymore, you're sons. And if you've been entrusted to be the light, well then, be the light. And don't be confused or downtrodden because this factor may come. Now let's look at a a next one, and it's Isaiah 61. This is uh, Jesus' first sermon when he took the scroll and he got uh, such a claim from that sermon that they tried to throw him off a hill. If that's not a testament of the light coming and, you know, death meeting you. But let's read this. Psalm 61. We'll read a few verses of it. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, bless you, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, see there, mourn in Zion, uh, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. They shall raise up the old wastes, they shall raise up the former desolations, they shall repair the waste cities the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flock. The sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of Yahweh. Men shall call you the ministers of Elohim. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall you boast yourself. For your shame you shall have double. For confusion they that shall rejoice... They shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be upon them. What a great thing. Isn't that great? So why in the world is it talk about the spirit of heaviness? You've got to have the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, heaviness is a uh, a Hebrew word, and if you... If you look this up in Strong's, it says one thing, and if you pull it up in the Theological Word Book of the Old Testament, I won't say the acronym because you all start laughing. But um, you see that word clearly spelled out, K-A-K-A. Now, kaka. And um, we've studied that extrapolation in the New Testament with kakos which is evil. It's that wickedness that stands against the pneumatikos. And, um, you know, I have to believe that that word reached through from the Hebrew into the Greek. Now, you say, when I say that kind of thing, etymologists will say, show me how that is. And I'll say, I can't. But I just know how the Greeks were. When they conquered lands, 
They assimilated. They took the best and they morphed words, just like we do. I was talking to Katie earlier to make sure I could say this word right. But, like, if you look up our term, cahoots, you know, they're in cahoots together. You've heard that, you know, which means people are together and they're talking together in secret and they're going to come out and they're going to act as one. You've all heard that word, right? Cahoots. And if you look at that word, they'll say, we don't know where this word came from. Unless you look at some other things that say the French word, caillute, did I say it almost right? It's C-A-H-U-T-E, which means a little dwelling, a little house, or a lean-to. And so somehow, when the English were fighting the French, they would figure, which seemed to happen, I guess they're not doing it anymore, but it happened a lot over hundreds of years, they would recognize these Frenchmen would go into a little caillute, and they would come out, and they would do these things. And that's how we assimilated as Americans cahoots. But I can't prove that. I can't show you in a Webster's Dictionary point by point. But nevertheless, I know it's true. And there's a lot of those types of words in Greek that come directly from Hebrew, like hagias. How many times have I had people say to me, well, how do you make that link? Even though Strong's makes the link. Even Strong's makes the link. We've gone through loops and hoops trying to say, Hagias comes from this. Well, prove it to me. I can't teach it. It's there. That's what the Greeks did. They went in and conquered the known world all the way down over into, across the mountains into all the stands and down into Egypt. And they just, with Alexander the Great, they conquered. And then they became the controlling group. Hellenism was the way it was. Everybody then had to speak Greek, like in so many ways they've had to speak English in our world today. Chinese are trying to say something about that, but they're learning English too, so what's that say? So um, this word, kaka, means dim, dark, weak, and lifeless. So with all of this great word, Spirit of the Sovereign God is upon me. And everybody's saying, yes, Jesus even chose this to preach. Well, with that, you've got to know that there's going to be a, there's going to be a spirit. God calls it a spirit. Kaka, which is dim, dark, and weak. It's going to be foul. It's going to look like it's lifeless. And you've got to recognize that in the glow of all of these other things, you're going to eat the riches of the Gentiles. They're going to be coming and feeding your flocks. You're going to be called the, the priests of Yahweh and the ministers of Elohim. Oh, man, that sounds great. So how in the world is a spirit of heaviness there? Because it's the same, it's the same type. It's not the same word. But it's the same basic description of what waits for praise in Zion. So when you're talking about the Spirit of the Lord upon me, you know, this anointing is here, I'm in an acceptable year in the timing of Yahweh, beauty for ashes, oil of joy. Well, you've got to recognize that in the middle of all that is this warning about this spirit of heaviness. And what do you do? You put on this garment of Tahila, which would indicate that you want a mantle of that. You recognize that it is something that you are empowered to represent. It's not just something you toss out there when the spirit's really moving. Or if you're in a great meeting and everybody else is doing it, you know, well, I'm in it. No, whether nobody's around or, or you're all by yourself or you're in a crowd, you need to be wearing that garment. It is, it is a mantle uh, that will bring victory. And you've, you've got to speak forth the words. You've got to, you've got to pray, glean from God. You've got to praise. And, um, but know that the opponent of that is this spirit of heaviness. Does that make sense?
So I reckon that a number of you have in some way or another been encountering this dama or this kaka. Um, you know, the other day, um, I was really having a wonderful time in the Lord. And um, I went into my office and I was, I thought, okay, it's time to go home. And I got in the car and all of a sudden I felt this nastiness. Just, ugh. And everything just seemed wrong, you know. And I, and I thought, what in the world is this? I didn't think that right away. I was kind of dancing to it, you know. I, I, you know, because my iniquities, man, you know, a human being likes that kind of thing. Um, if you if you don't control it, it'll take over. But it's it's like that caco spirit in in the New Testament we studied about, that comes against the pneumatikos, and um, it's been years since we taught on that, but it really is that. Um, and so you've got to be so convinced that you are a pneumatikos individual and that these other principles like your supplication, what God reveals, what he's given you an assignment, you know it's an assignment. You are proclaiming, you're declaring, you're praising ahead. You're praising into what should be happening. You're, you're sending your words of light into that. And, uh, you know, um, Habakkuk told us about that. He said, uh, you know, when the vision comes, when the word comes, wait on it. And he was the one outside of the Psalms that spoke of the Selah. And in that Selah of bringing light into the darkness, you're going to face these types of oppositions. And I'd like to say that I was such a man of faith and power that I immediately got after it. I didn't. I drove all the way home, and I was just angry without a cause. It was such a pervasive spirit. It may affect you in different ways. Um, but, you know, I'm not normally an angry person. You know, I don't go home and beat Katie. You know, I never do those kinds of things. I've never been that way. Um, but I kind of let it stew inside me, you know. And finally, I went up to my office at home and, was still in it and I started to pray and I said God this is I don't even know what this is nothing even happened what 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 is this and it was at that point that he began to talk to me about these things so I was thankful for that because you know the word overcame it's kind of like when the enemy came and tried to tempt Jesus and it was after the temptation that then the Lord gave a scripture so I think that's, uh, that's what happened. But I do know that you're probably encountering this in some way or another. I'm not proclaiming it upon you, but you just need to know what it is, and you need to stand against it. You need to keep offering supplication. You need to remember who God's called you to be. You need to know what he said he's going to do. You need to be proclaiming what he's revealing to you, even if you've proclaimed it three times already. Keep declaring it because that's what God says. And those prophetic words will not return to God void. Um, you need to keep, keep on. You need to know that it is an appointed task. That garment is, um, is, is one of this halal. What God said he's going to do through his ways is going to come back and it's going to be what he wants. And um, that's what you've got to do. Even though there may seem to be deathly silence, it may seem like death, it may seem dim, it may seem dark, it may seem weak, but that's what you've got to do. And so the first Psalm 65 is that silence. Psalm 61 is a very real spiritual influence called kako, kaka, kakos. And um, God calls it a spirit. So if God's calling it a spirit, it's empowered by the enemy who doesn't want you bringing that light into the darkness where they've been lurking around. So you've got to recognize that. You can bind it. You can rebuke it. You can take authority and cast it into the abyss. You can do all that stuff, but none of that is said here. It's all about you offering supplication to God and 
speaking what he has said. And you keep on declaring that halal. You keep on declaring that tapila. You keep on representing that. And you're not moved by what you see or by what you feel. Don't let your iniquities go there. You keep on, and God will bring the victory. But that's this hidden thing in the midst of this sermon that Jesus taught in his first public sermon. And all these wonderful things, I think, will be defeated if you don't know that that spirit of heaviness is there to try to hold you back. It can't stop these things. But if it can keep you from being the light bearer, it will. Does that make sense? The last one we're going to look at is a familiar verse to all of us, and it's in the New Testament, Matthew 17, verse 21. And this is the time when Jesus has come down off the Mount of Transfiguration with uh, Peter, James, and John. They didn't have their sailboat, but they were there. And um, the light was shining on Jesus. It was shining on Jesus. And uh, the other nine disciples were down at the bottom of the hill, and there was a little demonized boy who was foaming at the mouth and really creating all kinds of nuisance for the crowd that was there, for the weeping father, for the disciples. And Jesus tolerates about all that he would, and he casts the demon out. And um, so in verse 19 of Matthew 21, or Matthew 17, um, the disciples came to him and said, why couldn't we cast this demon out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, it shall remove Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. Now, the first thing, let's look at this from a different perspective. You've, many of you have taught on this in a number of ways very powerfully. That's the beauty of the word of the Lord. It keeps breathing. It's alive. Um, why does Jesus talk about the mountain here? It seems like an odd thing, especially since the real mountain he'd just come down from was where Moses and Elijah were, and the glory of the Lord was there, and the Father was speaking. It was a powerful thing, so he didn't want to say anything to that mountain. So what he was saying in conjunction with this demonic being was that this unclean spirit, and the Bible does identify it as an unclean spirit, was trying to block and to discourage and to hinder the progression and the momentum of what God was really wanting to do. And so that mountain of opposition, that mountain of demonic opposition, uh, was, was really what the issue was. It wasn't that little boy. It wasn't the weeping father. It wasn't the crowd that was just looking for entertainment and looking for a way to, to come against uh, what Jesus had been teaching. It was really a mountain of opposition. And that should have been their perspective. Um, and, you know, he says, their unbelief and this kind comes out but by prayer, prosuke, and fasting. So here you've got prosuke, which is supplication, partnership. If you were really partnering and God was giving you insights about what your mission is here, you would know as disciples what was going on up there on that mountain and what the enemy was trying to do here and you wouldn't have allowed your iniquities and your emotions and your fears to populate what it was you were trying to do because those things are not going to cast out any devils and it really wasn't about a demon and a little boy it was about an unclean influence that was trying to block the progression of what Jesus was there to do and so he says you really need to be embracing your grace, your grace uh, capacity, because that's what prosuke goes through, and you really need to um, you really need to know that 
you're going to have to fast. And why are you going to have to fast? Because that makes you more sensitive to God and it causes you to to yield yourself to become meek so that you can move in power. Now it says because of your unbelief, that's the first thing he mentioned, apistis, which means that you guys have lost the, the fact that you are representing, even though Jesus has not ascended there, the right hand of the Father. Now they knew that concept, remember, because in the Old Testament, Ammon meant right, and that's what, when Moses struck the rock, he looked at those people through his iniquity, and he was mad, and he called them a lot of, a lot of stuff, and he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Speak, think of that. He should have been speaking. He should have been speaking those words. He should have been declaring those words. And um, God says, because, of, because you did not believe me, because you did not amon what I said at the right hand, prophetically, you're not going into the land. So they understood this. When he said, when he said because of your unbelief, they knew. It wasn't, oh, i got to have more faith. Give me more scriptures. Let me have more people praying. You can have ten Bibles strapped to your hip, and you can have 500 people praying for you, but if you're not communing at the right hand of the Father, you're not going to move that mountain because that happens through partnership, not through the surplus of your words, no matter how loud you shout them. So what does Jesus say? You're not functioning as an agent of the right hand, so you're not prophetically linked with God. You, you need to get back into that supplication that partners with you and God so that you can glean what he says in prosuke, and you need to be fasting so that the things that that God knows you need to have out of your life as you go into the new, to the new uh, transition, those things won't hold you back. This is what Jesus was saying. This is, this is what he was saying. It's very clear. But it's the same principle as what um, we just looked at from the Old Testament. Jesus' first sermon, the kaka. Uh, this kako spirit and um, um, I, I, uh, this, uh, this business of knowing that it's a, it is a spirit and that you really need to take a mission, a ministry of that garment of releasing what God says. And you, you also need to know that when you've been given an assignment for Zion, uh, your praises are going to encounter a waiting dama. So you need to know that going in. And um, I, this isn't a downer. This is strategy. We're in, we're, we're in cahoots with the Lord tonight. We're in the secret place. He's speaking at us. Are you hearing him? Yes. So I don't know what you're facing I don't know if you've had moments where you've wondered Lord everybody's talking about God being here and I do feel him from time to time and what is this nonsense here in front of me what is this depression what is this gloom despair and agony on me deep dark depression excessive misery what is this that used to be in the hymnal Sandra no it wasn't um, Pastor Larry's singing that right now. And I don't need to be prophetic to know that. But, you know, just, just recognize that the light, the light <laughs> is going to shine and the darkness is going to try and find every way it can to disrupt and to outwit not the light, but you. So don't let it happen. Now, I'm not saying knowing this is going to make it easier. I'm not saying knowing this is going to make it go away. But it's just like any other thing. I mean, if you, if you show a bully that you're not going to be bullied, then pretty soon that bully will probably recognize, hey, I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere with this guy. Now, that's not always the case. But because some bullies are 
two feet taller than the person they're trying to bully. But, you know, you've got to stand up. And if you stand, the enemy's going to try to withstand. But you will overcome if you don't give up, if we faint not. And so just know that whether it's distractions or that feed on your unbelief, uh, which, which the only reason you have unbelief is you've abandoned what you should be doing at the right hand. Um, just know that you're going you're gonna to face a kakos influence and you're going to face deathly silence and darkness. But you're going to overcome if you faint not and if you keep going forward and if you keep offering prosuke. And, and, and if you're fasting, okay, here's another thing. This, this is interesting because remember when we used to fast and I would warn people. Now, God's called us to fast. Don't any of you leave the church because of it. Because every time we fasted in the past, we've lost people. So I'm warning you right now. We're going into a fast. Don't let that happen to you. Well, about... Several days into the fast, people be sitting back in the flush section. And they would be gone. And you'd think, how much more of a warning could I have given? And the reason for that is that when you fast, those iniquities are going to shout real loud. And they're going to say things that try to come against what the word is. Because your natural mind is going to be at enmity with the things of the Spirit. seems I read that somewhere. And so you've got to determine, are you a spiritual person or are you an iniquitous person? And don't let, uh, don't let your iniquities triumph. So when you fast, you know, hopefully now, you know, we're not losing people. But these iniquities will rise up and try to partner with this darkness. They'll try to partner with this silence. They'll try to convince you that all is lost. And, you know, whose report are you going to believe? Who are you anyway? You know, it's like the, Paul, the Apostle Paul said, Have I preached the gospel to others that I myself be shipwrecked? How would he be shipwrecked? Because he knows there are shoals there. He knows there are rocks out there. And he knows better than to steer his ship into it. Have I done all this so that I can come close to the finish line and not make it across? Who keeps you from that? Not some big demon. It's you. So wise up and do what you're supposed to do recognize these are influences it's one thing for us to say yes year of wisdom light into the darkness but it's another thing to see when you're a grace and supplication person and you're receiving words from god and you are uh, releasing those words into the places that zion is calling you to you need to know these things are there and don't be dumbfounded when you feel them and if you're fasting, surrender that thing that would rise up. Don't entertain it. Have tea with it. Don't have a nice conversation and come into an agreement with it. You know, recognize it and do what Paul said. You know, when these imaginations come, you, you, you submit them to the obedience of the anointed son. And then you not only do that, but you revenge. You, you turn what that thing wanted to do, and you go the other way with it. These are all things you've got to do. And so this is, uh, as I said, this is a rhema word. Um, we, need to, we need to recognize this, and we need to do something with it. Um, we, we, you need to do something with it. Um, and uh, I know that, um, that God has given us this for a reason. There are great days ahead, but it's like what the Apostle Paul said, you know, on a number of occasions. You know, the great door is open unto me. 
there are many adversaries. Pray. Pray for me. So, I'm not saying gloom and doom and despair. I'm just saying, maybe we should have called this sermon cahoots. <laughs> no, 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 I don't understand that word. Oh, you mean cahoots. <laughs> Connoisseurs of the cahoots. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. I pray that that garment of praise would just wrap around the heads of the people in this place and who are listening, and um, that we will receive this as a, a word from you, and we, we will be forewarned and forearmed, and we'll begin to, to see uh, the, our, our challenges and the oppositions in a new light. And uh, I proclaim victory over everybody, because we're serving the Lord who is ever before us. He is our light. And I, I speak uh, over all of us that we arise. The verse right, the chapter right before Isaiah 61. Arise, shine, for our light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. And um, I proclaim that. And we thank you for it, Father. Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and thank to all of you for being here. God bless you all, and good night.